Did you hear the news? Apple slows down old iPhones to force you to upgrade. Sounds like a great company. Sounds like a horrible business model. Consumer hardware that this is. Welcome guys to Syndicate, the blogcast series, where we go through and break down breaking tech trends. We look into some of the top tech companies, explore network effects, e-commerce, ICOs, a little bit of everything. If you're interested in technology, startups, investment, and innovation, this is the place for you. The Syndicate.vc. And if you're new, my name is Matt Ward. I'm an angel investor, startup advisor, and serial entrepreneur, and a little bit of a writer and a podcaster as well. You can find out more about us, what we do, and some of the incredible interviews we've done with people like Gil Pencina, Esther Dyson, Samuel Shaw, and many, many more at the syndicate.vc. But today we're talking consumer hardware. And hardware is hard. Consumer hardware is even worse. As an ex-e-commerce seller with years of experience manufacturing overseas, I can tell you dealing with suppliers, MOQs, i.e. minimum order quantities, quality control, cash flow, and even LTV are tough. Unlike SaaS where you build it once and sell again and again and again with almost no added costs, hardware costs money. Manufacturing tens or hundreds of thousands of products requires massive upfront investments, and most startups can't afford that. And while every sale helps you make up those margins, it's still nowhere near SaaS. Worse still is LTV, lifetime value of a customer. Like a one-night stand, one and done isn't a great, efficient run for the long run. It just doesn't work. Think fishing versus farming. Constantly acquiring new customers, i.e. fishing, takes time and money. CAC, your cost of acquisition, kills margins. High unit costs make economics even worse. Most startups and brands fall into the fishing category. They launch a product, let's say a smart lock, an autonomous drone, maybe even a time machine. Then they think about the business. Hmm, obviously we kickstart this, right? As an ex-crowdfunding consultant, I saw this all the time. The build-it-and-they-will-come mindset kills more businesses than Facebook. And without proper planning, founders often scale unsustainable business models. Single-purchase behavior is like a treadmill. Without repeat buyers or recurring revenue, businesses have to constantly fight to stay in the same battle. Exceptions to this rule build strong organic acquisition channels. For more on this, the syndicate.vc and look into acquisition. But even then, one and done loses every time. Farming's a hundred to a thousand times better business model. Rather than kill or be killed, startups that acquire recurring customers need much lower hit rates to succeed. Why hunt rabbits when you can domesticate them or shoot fish in a barrel? The same is true of customers. Companies that effectively milk customers merit much higher valuations to become more sustainable and long-term lasting brands. Repeat versus recurring. There's two brand- ways that brands build success. Repeat customers and monthly service fees. As a rule of thumb, these represent B2C and B2B businesses, respectively. As an investor, I only invest in hardware, IoT companies, that have a recurring revenue component, i.e. B2B plays, if I'm going to do hardware. Today, though, we're talking about consumer. For more on the B2B side of things, and to see how hardware and software play into the IoT world, the syndicate.vc, look up Nick Moran, we did an incredible interview on the topic. But later in the article, we're going to discuss the B2P recurring revenue business and how hard hardware is for business. But it can be a Trojan horse. Right now, though, let's talk repeat buying behavior. There's several ways to prop up your LTV. These traditionally include new products, i.e. socks, shoes, shorts, shirts, etc. Consumable products, toothpaste, contacts, lenses, lipstick, replacements, a new iPhone, a new laptop, a new fridge and accessories, earbuds, Xbox games, an HDMI adapter, etc. I have a question. Are you an Apple fanboy? 
You're on this article because of Apple. You're listening to this podcast because of Apple. Let's start there. News broke recently that Apple was screwing customers. Surprise, surprise. The company that brought you the iPhone was conveniently slowing down the older ones right after the new ones were released. In my opinion, Apple's a scumbag company. It didn't used to be. But recently, under the leadership of Tim Cook, Apple's been focused on numbers 3 and 4 on our above, the least innovative, i.e. replacements and accessories, and the most expensive of all. For a detailed analysis of how Apple's screwing consumers with dongles, accessories, and a whole lot of other uncool upsells by removing device ports, the syndicate.vc googled the end of Apple. You'll find it. But for iPhones specifically, the issue is especially troubling. Apple's a two-trick pony, constantly reverting to the same old stuff to drive sales and stock price. The iPhone and the iPad are everything for the company. They've pretty much given up on Mac. They drive the lion's share of sales and update the line every one to two years. There's always a new iPhone. There's always a new iPad because you've got to force people to buy new ones by slowing them down. But um, Apple's branding's built a fanboy culture. Their early supporters are brainwashed into buying the latest, barely differentiated products. This has made Apple the most valuable company in the world. Their earnings just keep going up. To be honest, though, when they remove the headphone jack, ask you to buy three new dongles, change it all again in the next iPhone, and slow down your old device to force an upgrade scenario, can you really keep supporting that shit? Apple's unsustainably taking advantage of their customers and failing to innovate. Instead, let's look at what real brands do. While we all accidentally eat a rotten apple, instead of feeling sorry for apple suckers, let's look at how real brands build businesses. 1. New products. Since the beginning of the industrial era, new products have dominated the world of consumers. Every year, new automobiles are released with better mileage, better performance, better consumer value. And while companies like Ford and GM wanted consumers to upgrade rather than slashing their, your tires, they offer you trade-in deals, extra warranty, additional tires, anything to sweeten the deal. But the idea of updating an existing product isn't where most brands thrive. Instead, most companies create new, innovative products on a pretty consistent basis, in adjacent or related areas. Like Cortez, the idea here is land and expand. Build a relationship and trust with consumers and then begin servicing other needs. Amazon did with his books and then slowly expanded into new categories. You can too. The key here is to focus. The best brands build a vision around a particular niche and then expand horizontally. Look at Disney. Most wouldn't regard this media empire as a product company, but I would. Disney's a product. The movies are all products. The toys, the stuffed animals, the clothes, the posters. Those are all products. The machine behind Disney's unparalleled. As of 2013, Disney's merchandise sales accounted for $40.9 billion in revenue. That's not jump change. And not only does the product line have so much power, every product line that they add creates more channels to pull in customers. It's true in the Disney example. Frozen, Mickey Mouse, Snow White, Monsters, Inc. Disney's devilishly good at attracting kids and creating upsell after upsell after upsell. And look at these acquisitions. Disney brings more characters to the battle. Marvel, Star Wars, X-Men... More movies, more products, more characters, more to add to Disney World, and its constant upsell inside of their own little sphere. It seems unfair. It is. But any brand can accomplish similar feats. Maybe not similar, but similarly effective feats with a land and expand strategy. Number two, consumable products. My favorite from a business perspective has to be consumables. The best part of SaaS is the recurring revenue, followed by huge margins, of course. But with consumable products, these economics can be similar. Dollar Shave Club built a billion-dollar valuation incredibly quickly just by selling consumables. Guys needed to shave and repeatedly needed new razors. Acquire a customer and you can potentially keep him for life. That helps LTV to CAC ratio significantly. 
But not only subscription companies benefit from non-reusable products. Coca-Cola started as a software company, the one secret formula. Today, leveraging the success of the product and brand, Coca-Cola has become a giant, owning Dasani, Powerade, Nestle, Hi-C, and many, many more. Clearly, they're employing a number one and number two strategy, new products and consumables. Every time you grab a Coke or pound a Powerade, you're patting Coke's bottom line, which was a healthy $41.6 billion in 2016. For more on the different types of e-commerce business models, the pros and cons of each, go to the syndicate.vc and search for the broken business of e-commerce and why your startup won't be the next Casper. Yes, that's Casper the mattress, not the ghost, but the ghost was pretty cool too. Let's talk why brands die. Assuming you've already built a successful brand, there's four primary reasons brands die. Competition, cash flow, disruption, and greed or lack of innovation. One, competition. When markets saturate, everyone gets squeezed. Pricing power dries up and margins do too. For strategies to avoid, see this post, thesyndicate.vc, and search for SaaS business models. The exception, of course, is the market leader. Given strong enough differentiation, the top dog's often able to survive and even thrive as the others rip themselves to shreds. That means you have to be the market leader. You have to win. You have to dominate. Number two, cash flow. Because businesses outgrow themselves. So with the cash-intensive nature of physical products, when sales spike too quickly or founders try to expand product lines too rapidly, they can shoot themselves in the foot or the head, depending. Running out of money is a real risk, and the reason why product entrepreneurs need to set up a credit line because things do get tight. Trust me, I've struggled with this in our own product brands. Disruption. Classic Clay Christensen disruption theory. When a 10x better product enters the market, typically the result is stepwise change in innovation. Incumbents fall. The iPhone's a perfect example. Just look at BlackBerry. Disruptive innovations typically outpace what the incumbents can do. Number four, greed, lack of innovation. These are one and the same, and it's the reason why Apple's dying. When a company hoards a war chest rather than focusing on truly disruptive innovation, they're eventually overtaken. Taking advantage of customers kills brand loyalty and breaks business models. Just wait and see. So let's talk recurring revenue B2C hardware. B2B's great. You work with companies, you solve pains, and they pay. With today's SaaS model, recurring revenue allows founders to build sustainable businesses with reliable cash flows to scale up both the team and the operations. But I promised we'd talk about the sexy SaaS-like MRR, monthly recurring revenue for consumer hardware. We finally got there. Note, recurring revenue from consumers is hard. And many products and business models can't accommodate a SaaS-type service model. Some can, though. The Trojan horse. Think of your product like a loss leader. A way to get your foot in the door. The best consumer hardware plays make money on the product and way more on the back end. Toval is a great example of this. Toval is a specialty connected oven that allows even dad to deliver restaurant-quality meals without the hassle. The IoT oven combines steaming, baking, and broiling for a programmable perfect meal. The beauty isn't in perfecting the combination cooker, however, but the subscription service. Tovala sells pre-made meal kits designed specifically for their oven. Pop it into the package, the oven handles the rest. The pre-programmed cycles do everything for almost a dozen delicious meals. The mouth-watering part is the monthly subscriptions, though. Sure, homeowners don't need to buy Tovala's kits to cook. The oven does everything. But if you spent money on the oven, you might as well get your money's worth, right? That's where the upsells begin. That's a good business model. That's why Tovala is succeeding. Hardware plus software. IoT is the key to great consumer hardware companies. If there isn't a service type component and a strong recurring revenue, LTV is tough. 
Some great examples of this include connected home companies like Nest and Ring. Nest being bought by Google for $3.2 billion in 2014. Both of these charge upfront device fees and have monthly or yearly monitoring slash usage costs. And with both, failure to pay results in a worthless product and buyer remorse. So of course, customers stick around. The beauty of software is that it's constantly changing and improving. Companies like this can continually improve the quality of their service, just like Tesla, just by pushing a code. And the experience becomes better and better and better. That means customers are less and less likely to churn. Note that most subscription box companies aren't great businesses. Want to learn more why? Again, the same article, The Broken Business of E-Commerce and Why Your Startup Won't Be the Next Casper. Let's wrap things up. Great brands do several things incredibly well. They differentiate and delight customers, building core defensibility directly into the product and the brand. And the truly great ones keep customers coming back. At the end of the day, though, it's a relationship built on trust, love, and value. Yes, love. And Apple clearly forgot some of these core components. Hmm. Is the, uh, is the abusive husband really the best way forward for brands? I say no. And yet, at the date of this article, Apple's the most valuable company in the world. It's an interesting insight into the public markets and the mindset of the customers. Will we see a correction? Will t- customers tolerate this? Where did Apple go wrong? Does over-optimizing for the short term bite Tim Cook and Apple in the butt? I'd love to hear your opinions. I know this is controversial. I know people will hate this because we're saying bad things about Apple. But to be honest, Apple's doing bad things to consumers. So if you're a consumer of Apple, you better at least be thinking about some of these challenges. So what do you think? The syndicate.vc would love to hear your thoughts, opinions, etc. in the show notes. You're able to subscribe to our blogcast series. You're able to also just subscribe. We have an investor series where we bring some of the top angels and VCs like Esther Dyson, Samuel Shaw, Gil Penchina on the program. And we grill them on how to be incredibly good at tech investing early stage. If you're interested, the syndicate.vc. And if you want to get more from us, follow me on the Twitter at It's Matt Ward. Unfortunately, someone stole Matt Ward, so I had to go for the ego-driven It's Matt Ward approach. And that's where we're at today. I will talk to you guys again soon. Cheers.